about nine years ago, uh, I found myself uh, down at the beach, and I was actually on a, on a mission trip, and uh, I'm not going to go into all the details, but on a mission trip down at the beach at the coast, and, uh, and found myself not really sure how it happened, but uh, walking on the beach during a little bit of our free time uh, with, uh, with, with a young lady. And uh, we walked and talked, and we didn't really know each other. And uh, we talked about our families and life and, you know, the kinds of things you talk about when you don't really know the person and just kind of, I guess, getting to know each other. And, and uh, so that was, that was about nine years ago. And then uh, a year after that, so that would be uh, eight years ago, a little over a year after that, found myself uh, on the beach again. Uh, and uh, for another another trip that I was on, and uh, it was a different beach, same ocean, different beach, a little further north up the coastline, and I uh, found myself with this same girl uh, walking on the beach, and uh, we were just talking and talking about life and talking about our families and those kinds of things, and um, a few years later, I ended up marrying that young lady, and, uh, and so... Uh, as I think about those walks, uh, I, I, those those were walks worth taking. Uh, I don't really remember all the circumstances around them and didn't know what was happening at the time, uh, but God knew, and those were walks in my life that were worth taking. I'm sure that uh, you've had similar experiences, walks or, or journeys uh, that were worth taking, especially looking back on them. As, as, as important as those walks were in my life, because uh, God has blessed me with an amazing wife. Um, and by the way, she's not here because our kids are sick. So I probably got all those dates and years wrong, but um, it's okay because she's not here uh, to, to, to tell me that I'm wrong. Because she would be giving me the eye right now if I got some of those years wrong. I think I got them right, though. Uh, so you can ask her later. Uh, but but as as, as important as those walks were as I look back on my life and they seem at the time like not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things but they were important for me and for her Uh, there's another walk that is far more important in our lives it's a it's a walk that all of us take and I'm not necessarily talking about putting one foot in front of the other literally walking down the street or or down the beach um talking about our lives. The Bible uses the analogy of walking to refer to our lives and the decisions that we make each day, moment by moment by moment by moment. He uses that analogy of, of walking. And really our lives in general, but specifically the life of a Christian. If you're here today and you are a follower of Jesus, then Scripture will refer to the life that you and I should be living as our walk. Often we'll talk about it as our walk with the Lord, or our walk with God, or our walk with Christ. And what, we're, what we mean is our journey of the Christian life, seeking to live for the glory and honor of God. And we see this walking language all throughout uh, the New Testament. Paul uses it very frequently. And when we turn to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5, we find ourselves right in the middle of uh, the section of Ephesians where Paul is, is explaining how we live as Christians. If you were to read chapters 1 through 3 of Ephesians, you would find that Paul is explaining salvation. 
how it is that we are saved. In chapter 1, he says that God chose us in him before the foundation of the world. In chapter 2, it says that we are saved by grace through faith. In chapter 3, it talks about how he joins us together into the body of Christ. And then beginning in chapter 4, Paul turns his attention not to how someone is saved, but to how someone lives once they have been saved. And so just from the outset, we need to remember as we read these, Paul is not giving us uh, these verses. Paul is not giving us these verses to teach us how to be saved. He's already explained that in the first three chapters. We are saved not by our works. It's not by walking a certain way that we are saved. It's by placing our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He is the only one who has walked perfectly for us. The only walk that God can truly accept is a perfect walk. And none of us do that. We all stumble along the way in our lives. We all sin. And so today, if you have never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, that is the most important decision, as we have already heard, that you could make. You need to place your faith in Jesus to, to, to then begin this walk that we are talking about, this walk of the Christian life. But if you have trusted in Christ, then verses 15, <coughs> excuse me, through 17 are so important as we seek to live our lives for the glory and praise of God. If you follow along in your copy of God's Word, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 17. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Would you pray with me? Fathers, we have come this time in our service where we open up your word. Father, would you open up our hearts? Father, give us teachable spirits. Wherever we're at in our lives in this moment, Father, we need your word. Father, would you speak to us through your Holy Spirit? Father, I pray that you would be with my voice. Father, help me to proclaim the truth that you desire for me to proclaim today. Father, help us to apply your word to our lives. Not for our own glory, but for yours and yours alone, O God. In Jesus' name, amen. We look at just these three verses today. There's a Two foundational truths that we have to start with, okay? And then once we do that, I just want to give you four just simple truths about walking and wisdom that we see here in this passage. Two truths. Number one, if you're a Christian, you belong to God and He is holy. You belong to God and He is holy. Let me say that one more time. You belong to God. If you're a Christian, you belong to Him and He is holy. You belong to a God who is holy and righteous and perfect in all of his ways. Truth number two, that's a foundation to this passage. And we see it here. Right in the middle of these three verses. We live in an evil world. Christian, you live in an evil world. So we belong, we're followers of Christ, belong to a God who is holy And at the same time, we live in an evil world. And because we belong to a God who is holy, we have been called to a life of holiness. 
We can see that all the way back in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Verse 4. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Notice what comes next. That we should be holy and blameless before him. God has saved you. He saved me. If you're a follower of Christ, he has saved us to make us holy, to make us like him. But what makes that difficult in our day-to-day lives is that we live in an evil world. We live in a world where sin has come in and has wreaked havoc on the good world that God has made. We were sitting at breakfast this morning, and uh, as I mentioned, my two of my daughters are sick, and, and my oldest one, my three-year-old, she, she looked at my wife and she said, Mommy, why do I have to be sick? And my wife, in much wisdom, said, well, our bodies are broken, Letty. Our bodies are broken. She said, you know why our bodies are broken? And my daughter just kind of looked at her and she said, my wife said, sin. Our bodies are broken because of sin. From the beginning, when Adam and Eve in the garden sinned against God, a curse came over this world and evil entered in. Now, I'll finish the story as my wife is making this very beautiful, elegant, theological statement to our three-year-old and seeking to lead her to Christ. Um, And those of you who know my three-year-old will appreciate this. After she had asked, why am I sick? Why do I have to be sick? And my wife's given her the answer. (laughs) My daughter goes, but I can still talk. (laughs) And if you know my daughter, I busted out laughing. And my wife, who has to stay with them all day uh, today at just hung her head and said, yes, I know that you can still talk. <laughs> and, so, um, and she's probably proving that statement right now. Um, her, her voice is fine, and she is using it to the best of her ability. But we do. We live in an evil world. So it's not just that our bodies are physically broken and that we get sick. There's sin all around us, and there's temptations all around us. And yet, because we belong to a God who is holy and because we've been called to live holy lives, We are to live in a way that looks very different than the world around us. And so with those two foundational truths, we come to these three verses. Truth number one I want to share with you today is this. Walk with awareness. Walk with awareness. Notice what he says at the beginning of verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk. Depending on your translation, it may say walk circumspectly or look with carefulness. In other words, how you live your life and the way that you live your life as you go about your day-to-day routines and activities, you make these decisions, you pay careful attention to what is around you. Why? Because we live in a day and age when there is evil all around us. I think the picture that we get here, and if you study this word, you'll see that even in other places in Scripture it's translated, depending on the context, be on guard. And it's really this picture that I have in my mind of even a soldier who's walking through a minefield, right? That soldier doesn't just run through it. That would be very foolish. As we'll see, the next, the next truth is that we're to walk in wisdom. That, that soldier walks very carefully and, and pays attention. He is alert and aware of what is around and where that next step is going to be. Why? Because there's danger all around. And 
And I don't know about you, but I know for me, sometimes I just, I just wake up in the morning and I've got my to-do list for the day and, the, and I know what's on my calendar and just start blazing through the day. And, and, and if I'm not careful, I don't pay attention. I don't stop and remember that we live in an evil world. I, I just run through and, and if I'm not careful, I get to the end of the day and I realize, man, Satan tempted me here and I fell into it. Now, I spoke with a harsh word here when I should have spoken with a kind word. Oh, God gave me this opportunity to serve him, and I didn't. I was selfish with my time. But we have to remember that there is an evil one, and we live in evil days. And so every step that we take in our lives, we must take with carefulness, paying careful attention every step of the way. There are false teachings that are out there. There are temptations to sin. One writer put it this way. He said, speaking of Paul, he bids them keep a close watch on the principles by which they are regulating their lives. I thought that was a very wise way to, to, to phrase what Paul is saying here as he says to walk carefully. Let me say that one more time. He bids them keep a close watch on the principles by which they are regulating their lives. In other words, what is it that is driving you? What is behind the choices that you make? What are the principles in life that are leading you to make the decisions that you are making? There's a whole world full of wrong principles and wrong ways of viewing our world. And we want to, as Christians, we want to have principles that are based on God's word <coughs> and let those things drive what we do. Walk with carefulness. Being careful with what you listen to. Being careful with what you watch. Being careful with who you let influence your life. Who are the voices that are speaking into your life on a daily basis? Sometimes there are voices that, we're not, that, that, that we become so accustomed to hearing them, we don't even think about what they are saying. Sometimes it's the voices on the radio and the music that we listen to. Sometimes it's what we're watching on television or looking out on social media and these voices are constantly speaking to us and perhaps it's very entertaining. Perhaps the, the sound is good, but those voices are not based on scriptural principles. And so we can step somewhere and cause damage in our spiritual lives. We must walk with awareness of what is around us. Each and every day. Number two, we walk with wisdom. And this is really the undergirding truth of this, these three verses. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. What is, what is wisdom? Sometimes when we think about wisdom, we, we think about the, the, the older sage that just sits there and, and spouts off these profound pro proverbial sayings, right? These wise sayings that we go to them and, and they speak these words and then we go try to uh, figure out, well, that didn't make any sense, but it seemed like it made sense to him or to her. And, and, and just this really intelligent person who sits around thinking about life all day. That's not, that's not the wisdom that Scripture is talking about here when it uses the word wisdom. Remember, we're smack in the middle of three chapters about practical day-to-day, -day, how we live our lives. Wisdom in the Bible here in this context is taking the truths that we know to be true, the principles that God has given us in His Word, and then applying them to our lives. 
To walk with wisdom isn't just to know the right thing to do. It's to know the right thing to do and to do the right thing. It's to put what we know about God and what he's called us to into practice in our day-to-day lives. So he says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise or not as foolish, but as wise, as someone with wisdom. There's different types of wisdom in our world. There's an earthly kind of wisdom, and there's a heavenly or godly type of wisdom. James writes about this in James chapter 3. He says, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Notice two things that James is, is, is telling us. Number one, we can be deceived into this false sense of wisdom. It's a wisdom according to the world, but it's not godly wisdom. It may sound okay, but when we compare it to the truth of God's word, we find that that kind of wisdom falls far short. So we have to be, again, on guard, being careful how we walk so that we're not deceived into this earthly kind of wisdom. But the wisdom that is above is what guides and rules our lives. But notice also the very practical nature of this wisdom. Notice some of the words that he talks about. Pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. That's a way of living. It's a way of interacting with one another. To interact in a way that breeds peace and harmony, not dissension. To act with mercy towards one another. That means being quick to forgive. This wisdom isn't this real intelligent uh, information that only a few people get. In fact, every Christian is to walk in this wisdom. You say, well, I don't know if I'm very wise. Sometimes I struggle with knowing what the right thing to do is. I want to just flip back a page um, to James chapter 1. And I've always loved this. This has been one of my, one of my prayers from, from many, many years ago as I studied James and read this. And I just began to pray this. It says in James chapter 1, verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all, without reproach, and it will be given him. I read that um, uh, 10, 10 or so years ago. I don't know, maybe 12 or 13 years ago. And, and I thought, you know what? I'm, I'm not very wise a lot of times. I make some foolish choices. But the Bible says that if I need wisdom, I can ask God, and it says he will give it to me. What a great prayer. Maybe a, a great prayer to start out this new year is just to ask God for wisdom. And he will give it to you. He'll give it to you. He'll help you in those situations. And there's some situations that even I'm in right now. But I just, it's hard to know what the right thing to do is. Ask God for wisdom. I promise you that's a prayer that he will answer. Because when he answers it and you then walk in wisdom... He will receive glory and honor and praise. God is quick to answer prayers that bring Him honor and glory and praise. When we think about wisdom, 
foundation of it is God himself. The foundation of wisdom is God himself. An understanding of who he is and what his desire for us is in our lives. The psalmist says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. The proverb says that, that the beginning of knowledge and wisdom is the fear of the Lord. To know that God is real and to have that reverent awe of him that can only come when God transforms our hearts through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where we stand in awe and reverence of him. That's where wisdom begins. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 21 through 23, we find these words. My son, do not lose sight of these. Of what? What would be so important that the, the writer of Proverbs would tell his son, don't lose sight of these. He says, keep sound wisdom and discretion. And they will be life for your soul. And adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely. And your foot will not stumble. Remember, we belong to a God who is holy. He's called us to live holy lives. That means walking without stumbling in sin. How do we do that? By asking God to give us wisdom in any and every circumstance. And then as he helps us know what to do. Then making the choice to do what he's called us to do. So we walk with awareness and we walk with wisdom. Third, we walk with intentionality. We walk with intentionality. Perhaps you can come up with a better word to use here uh, to summarize or uh, to, to make sense of what Paul says here in verse 16. But notice that he says, making the best use of the time. Perhaps your translation says, redeeming the time. As we think about time, We often don't think about it as a resource that God has given us. You know, he's given us all a certain amount of time. It may be all, it may be different and it is different for all of us. And we don't know how much time he has given us. But he has graciously given us a certain amount of time. And everything that God gives us, he intends for us to use that for his glory. He intends for us to invest what he gives us into his kingdom work. Think about the parable of the king who gave the, the, the people talents. He gave them different amounts. There were different amounts that he gave them, different amounts of money. And he left. And when he came back, he was pleased with those who had invested those and made more. They invested them wisely. The one who wasted the money that he had been given. They just sat on it and didn't do anything with it. He chastised that individual. And when I, when I think about that proverb or that, that uh, parable, oftentimes I think about it in terms of money because that's what's given in the, in the story. Money is given. But there are other resources that God has given us, and one of those things is time. He's given us an allotment of time and he expects us to use that time for his kingdom purposes. I believe time is one of the most valuable resources that we have. And how often I find myself being convicted by the Holy Spirit of wasting the time that he has given me. 
I don't remember where I heard this. I, I was, it was years ago. I was flipping through something, and I came. It was like these little wise sayings for the new year or something. I don't know. I don't know what what it was. It wasn't. It wasn't. I was just flipping through the Bible. It was something else. It was a little little words to live by kind of kind of thing. And I came across this one. I'm sure you've heard it before, but I don't know why it stuck in my mind. I didn't write it down, but it just I. I remember it. I, I, I memorize it right there on the spot. I don't really know why, but it, it always pops into my mind, and it's this. We, also, often, we often use the words, uh, well, I'm going to save some time by doing this. Really, we see it in advertisements, right? If you buy this product, it will save you time. It'll save you time. It'll save you time. And, and this is what this saying says. You can't save time, but you can use it wisely. You can't save time, but you can use it wisely. And that, that's really true, right? I can't, I can't gather up time and put it in a little time bank and then cash it in whenever I need extra time. The clock is always ticking, and I can't move the hands on the clock back. Time is always being spent. Every second you are spending time, and you can't get that time back. But you can spend that time wisely. I think that's what Paul is communicating here to the Ephesian church. He says, make the best use of the time that you had. Make the most of every opportunity. Redeem the time that you have been given. Perhaps one of the greatest tools of the enemy. Remember, we live in an evil age. Perhaps one of the greatest tools of the enemy is simply helping us waste our time. Helping us waste our time. Here's why that's so deceitful on the part of Satan. Because it doesn't look harmful in the moment. It doesn't look like when we're wasting time. Now there are things that we can do with our time that's obviously sinful. But simply wasting time doing things that may not necessarily be bad, but there are other things that God has called us to do with that time. We don't realize it till the end of life. And we look back and say, wow, look at all that time God gave me. And I wasted it. And I think Satan is sitting over there going, man, I did a good job. Just think about the time that God has given you each day, each week, in this coming year. How can you spend it in such a way that God would say, wow, that, that child of mine is spending the time that I've given her, is spending the time that I've given him in a way that brings me honor and glory. I am glorified by the way that this child of mine is walking in wisdom. While the world is spending their time on all of these trivial things, this child of mine is investing the time that I have given him, that I have given her. And the kingdom of God, my kingdom, if I'm God speaking, is better because of the way that this child of mine has spent his or her time. I don't know, maybe it's spending time reading God's word. I always say that time spent in God's Word is never time that is wasted. Maybe it's time praying. 
time invested in praying. Praying praises to God. Praying for your husband or your wife. Praying for your children. Praying for your grandchildren. Praying for your friends. Praying for your brothers and sisters in Christ. That is time that is used wisely. Perhaps it's taking advantage of opportunities to be equipped. A wise use of your time on a Sunday is to be gathered with the church family. We have other times besides just the 11 o'clock hour. Maybe using your time wisely means getting up a little earlier and coming to Sunday school. Perhaps it means coming on Wednesday evenings as we dive a little bit deeper into God's Word. Or Sunday evenings, investing your time and your children's time well and and bringing them here. We have a great program on Sunday evenings, Gospel Project, uh, for for our children. As we also are in here continuing to be equipped in God's Word. Maybe, maybe using your time wisely means spending more quality time with your spouse. I don't just mean spending time. I'm spending quality time with your spouse. My wife is quick to remind um, uh, folks uh, when we're speaking with other people and we encourage them, to, uh, couples, to spend some time together. She'll say, and by the way, going and watching a movie, it's not quality time together. No, that doesn't mean it's a bad thing to do. Just don't mark that down as well. I just spent quality time with my spouse because we sat here and didn't talk for an hour and a half or two hours or two and a half hours, depending on what movie you're watching. Quality time. Maybe it means spending more quality time with your children. Maybe it means spending time sharing the gospel with your children. Dads, reading the Bible with your children. Praying with your children. Perhaps it means spending time caring for an aging parent or loved one or friend. That can be time that God is honored with as we care for someone who is in need. Maybe it's investing time in missions. Even perhaps like I invited you to think about earlier, going to Boston uh, when we have a trip. No, no, everybody can do that kind of thing. but, But maybe that's a way that God's calling you to use that weekend of the year wisely. When we think about using time wisely, often that means stopping doing things, the things that are wasting our time. We only have a certain amount of time. So if you're wasting time, you can't say, well, here's some things I need to do. I'm going to do those in addition to continuing to do all the things that I'm doing that are wasting time. We can't do that. Sometimes you have to give up certain things in order to do the things that are more important. Maybe using your time wisely will begin with not spending so much time in front of the television or in front of your phone on social media so that you have the time to do the things that God wants you to do. I don't know for you. The encouragement is to make the best use of the time because the days are evil. And fourth and finally, I'll say this one quickly, we walk with discernment. We walk with discernment. Notice verse 17. Therefore, In light of the command to look carefully how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time, in light of the underlying truth that we live in an evil age, verse 17, therefore do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is. The attitude that seeks out what is God's will for me and let me by God's grace be obedient to God's will. I have to discern, right, as I'm walking carefully, I have to make a choice. Is this the right step? Or is this the right step? Or is this the right step? 
Which is the step of evil and which is the step that honors the Lord? There's a general sense of God's will for all of our lives. The commands that He gives us in Scripture. Chapter 5, verse 2, And walk in love as Christ loved us. And walk in love as Christ loved us. You say, I wonder what God's will is for me tomorrow. I can tell you one thing. It's to walk in love towards everyone that you come in contact with. Think about a verse like 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. It's God's will for all of us that we abstain from sexual immorality. Think about what's often referred to as the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That's God's will for you and for me. God's given it right there in His Word. What He wants us to do. How He wants us to live. We pray for a discerning heart to walk carefully and know, is this the Lord's will or is this something that is of this evil age? And it's a discernment that we have to have every moment of every day. Because the enemy is always after us. There's always a wrong choice that we can make. And there's always a right choice that we can make. And so in every circumstance, we walk with awareness of what's around us. We seek to walk with wisdom, asking God to give it to us. We seek to make the very best use of every moment that God has given us. And we seek to live with discernment. Saying, all right, God, what is your will for me in this situation? Help me to do what honors you. I think that if we walk this way in our lives as Christians, when we get to the end of our life, we'll look back. And it might have been a hard walk. It might have been difficult. It might have been long. It might have been scary moments. Moments of unknown. Moments where we looked different than everyone around us. Where we were made fun of. We were looked down on because of the decisions that we made as we sought to honor God. When we get to the end of our life, we'll look back and we'll say, God, thank you. That was a walk worth That was a walk worth taking. This is my question to you. Is is the walk that you're on right now a walk that is worth taking? Or is it a worthless walk? Because it's not amounting to anything of value for the kingdom of God. I pray that every one of us would live a life where we could say, that was a walk worth taking. God is honored. God is honored. God is honored. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, every one of us is living right now. We are on this walk. And Father, if we have been rescued from our sin, then we belong to You. And You have called us to holiness. But we live in an age that is evil. 
And so, God, we need your help. Father, help us not to get to the end of our lives and say, wow, what a wasted walk. But help us to get to the end of our lives and say, that was a walk worth taking. Father, we cannot do this without your help. Father, we need your Holy Spirit every step of the way. So, Father, lead us, guide us. Father, if there's a change that needs to take place in someone's heart here today, maybe there's a way that they know that they're, they're wasting their time. Or they're not, they're not having a discerning heart and spirit. And they're just carelessly, aimlessly walking through life and they're falling into all the traps that the devil places in front of them. Father, I pray that you would get them on the path of wisdom by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then by the continuing power of the gospel, you would keep them on that path. Father, keep me on that path. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.